Hello, hello. What up, Jackie? Awesome. Great. What episode number? No, we're episode six. Or greater than one, less than a thousand still. What? Okay. A thousand? Okay. Anyways, uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking because I'm super excited for the episode today. We have our very first guest. We've been we've been hyping up this guest for a couple weeks now. Uh, super excited, of course. Should we dive right in? Absolutely. Let's uh, introduce this guest. Who is this guest, Jackie? I'm very excited. Very mysterious right now. You're being <laughs> so cryptic, even though we've definitely said it before. <laughs> Anyways, uh, excited to have our first guest. None other, of course, than the one and only Josh Knowles. <gasps> Josh Knowles is on Josh the call Knowles. right now. Oh my God. Josh Knowles on the call. Say hello, Josh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. Awesome. Let uh, me get the serious face on. Okay. Business. So, face, Josh. so to prepare for the podcast, uh, Joey and I wrote down a couple questions that we had sent up for Josh. Uh, and I think he's, you know, as always, super prepared. So he thought about those questions. But uh, <laughs> what, well, before we before I ask the first question, Josh, would you like to give yourself a quick intro? Ooh, Ooh. Ooh sure. Um, see, I've been with uh, Pivotal a little over eight years. Started out in Pivotal Labs, um, working with our clients as they're immersing in their time in New York and helped grow that office. Once we were acquired by EMC, we decided to expand our footprint a bit. So we started opening up offices on the East Coast of the U.S. Um, Boston and D.C. came next, and then uh, London. So it took on a role for any office that was relatively close to the Atlantic Ocean. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, because that's logical, makes sense. Um, and uh, and then most recently spent two years living over in London uh, while we were focused on expanding our lab's footprint to uh, Europe. So lived in London and helped support the teams on the ground in Berlin, London, Dublin, uh, Munich, and Paris. Did you open all those offices at the same time? Yeah. Did you? How many offices did you open? So London was established, and that was kind of our European headquarters. And then we quickly opened Dublin and Berlin at pretty much the same time. And then Munich was a, a partnership with Allianz that we did for about nine months and then wrapped it up. And then Paris was starting at the tail end of the two years that I was there. Wow. So it's safe to say you have no experience in starting an office, which is exciting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm really good at the beginning part, and then I run off to do the next thing. <laughs> as soon as it gets hard, Josh is like, next one, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. Wow. That was over, okay. that was over the course of two years in, uh, in the London area? Yes, I was uh, 15 to 17. Oh. Wow. Um, and then came back to the States um, at the end of my two-year assignment in August of last year and, and was starting to look for something to do next, which is, which is, I think what led us to this new team cool. and this conversation. Awesome. So before you dive into uh, your thoughts on this team, yeah. one of the questions that I wrote down that I didn't put in the calendar invite, which I thought 
was fun. You kind of covered it. But before we talk about the origin of Apple or APLE or the Agile Practice Leadership Enablement Team, tell us about the origin of Josh Knowles. Whoa. Oh, whoa. This is great. Wow. This yeah. is this is this is why I love this podcast. It's just a, just a <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, how far back? Like I don't know. Parents. Whatever is relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Joey told us a great story last week uh, that was news to me about Joey, how Joey became an engineer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we went back to uh, high school. You know. I'm sure Josh has listened to that pot, to that episode yeah, like 10 times, so you, you don't need to, we don't need to rehash it. We won't rehash it. <laughs> no, I've got the, the group notes right in front of me. You obviously said that great joke about that thing. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So um, I started uh, my career as a developer in the early part of the dot-com uh, time frame, so kind of uh, late 99 I uh, didn't take a traditional um, education path. I was very fortunate to um, pick up development uh, a bit on my own, had some really good friends and mentors that helped point me in the right direction, and took uh, an internship um, kind of straight out of high school and, and kind of parlayed that into a full-time job uh, with the startup that I was working with and chose to uh, stay with them as opposed to kind of going formal education. So picked up uh, college classes kind of nights and weekends eventually, um, but really kind of cut my teeth, you know, working for startups in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, just kind of really going all in and immersing myself, you know, doing the crazy, you know, 60-hour weeks, um, learning all this I could about was that like a ride, like an exciting ride? I feel like the the difference between the 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 startups in the dot com two thousand era versus like now, I feel like there must have been like just like an exciting amount of uh, uncertainty, but like in the best of ways, where you were paving all the paths and all the future. Where, I mean, like there might be some stuff that's more laid out today as startups kind of grow, but that must have been like an interesting experience. It was super, yeah. I mean, the, the patterns and practices that we lean on today were just starting to get formed um, in that time. You know, I was um, I was running a uh, Java users group uh, with some of my local community, and I got shipped a box of books from a publisher. This was in, um, I guess it was around 2000, uh, that we could give away as uh, handouts in our um, in our little meetup. And in that box was the first version of um, XP from Kent Beck, as well as the first um, version of what they called the Pickaxe book, which was kind of the intro to Ruby programming book. So I kind of randomly got shipped those two books as kind of you know throwaways as part of this Java group that I was doing. And I kind of set those aside. They looked interesting. I didn't give them out to the group, kind of kept them for myself. Um, <laughs> It's my knowledge, you do. My, yeah. My knowledge. <laughs> one and, one day, I'm just going to dominate that industry. <laughs> I mean, those really kind of shaped how I spent the next ten years. You know, I, I got really um, a really big part of the Ruby community. It, it became a, a large part of my um, professional network. 
and really kind of latched on to everything I read about XP and um, kind of haven't looked back since that time frame. That's awesome. Nice. Very cool. Somebody, origin, wait, origin, wait, didn't know the story. Yeah. Someone yeah. just like sent a book, you know, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone was like, this would be a good joke. This person's going to get this book. Nothing will come of this. It'll be great. <laughs> That's so interesting. That's awesome. Josh, Josh, when was the last time you like seriously coded? It's been five or six years since I had any side projects that were um, something that I would maintain on, on a regular basis. Um, and it's been since before I joined Pivotal that I was paid to, to actually write code and, and ship it. Um, my roles at Pivotal have all been part of our leadership team. Mm. So I've, I've jumped in and I've paired, you know, a little bit here and there, you know, in the earlier days of my Pivotal career, just trying to stay close to the projects. And, you know, we were, we were much smaller at the time. Um, but having a role where I was responsible for actually shipping code was, has been about eight years. Do you, do you miss it? I do. Yeah. I, I, I love programming, you know, as just a, as a craft and a, and a passion area, you know, and, and so, um, not having the headspace or the, the time in the week to really sit down and keep up on some of the new trends is, is definitely something that I think about a lot. Yeah. It's moving faster and faster too. I feel like it's one week is, is what used to be a year. I feel like it's just like all of a sudden people are doing brand new things inside of software and you're like, what, why? I thought we just got over this thing. Why are we naming variables this now? What just happened? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Everything's just turning back to JavaScript though. So yeah, I'm yeah, feeling yeah. okay about that. Yeah. Eventually, <laughs> eventually it's all just JavaScript. Years ago. So. <laughs> oh, fancy JavaScript is what it all is today. That's beautiful. Yeah, right. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. So uh, let's dive into the meat of what we wanted to hear about today. If you could give us sort of, Joey and I have probably touched on it a little bit here and there, but would love to hear from your perspective, sort of um, what, what is the, what's, what was the origin of our team, the Apple team, and sort of how has that involved since uh, sort of you came up with the idea, you started, you know, recruiting people for the idea and now that we're you know active out at clients on three different projects uh in you know jerry and i have a lot of thoughts on you know and we've talked about a lot like things that we've learned along the way uh, but would love to hear from your perspective at sort of like perhaps maybe a more macro view on on like how your view of what we do as a team or the impact that we can have has maybe changed uh in the last you know nine months or so sure so I think from the origin, um, you know, this team isn't, isn't anything that I invented or came up with. It's kind of an, an evolution of experiments that have been happening in the company for the last five or six years. Um, I've been fortunate to be a part of a number of them and, you know, other colleagues that, that we worked with have as well. You know, when I was coming back to the States, as, as I mentioned, uh, around this time last year and looking for what to do next. Um, there was kind of two problems that were interesting, you know, that the company was going through. One of them was how might we continue to support our clients um, as they look at expanding outside of their time at labs. Uh, we had done a number of experiments 
in the past, uh, which I'll dive into here in a second. And we wanted to try and um, quantify and, and formalize that a bit more. And the other problem space was how can we better support the rapidly growing partner ecosystem that Pivotal was investing in so that they could be better prepared to help our clients as they continued along their journey. Mm-hmm. So the, those were the two um, problem statements that I was kind of presented with. And I think for the first few months, we treated those as, as two separate challenges that we're going after, right? How to support partners and specifically the, the Accenture Pivotal Business Group Partnership um, which started forming uh, at the tail end of my time in London, um, taking conference calls from London while the partnership was getting formed in San Francisco it was incredibly fun. Um, lots of, uh, that's not midnight. a weird time difference at all. Like that's very no, normal. Everyone's, all. everyone's awake at midnight. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was fun to be, be with that team from the, from the beginning as we were forming that. Um, so applying out and trying to figure out how might we support that partnership and, and then ideally taking those patterns for other partners at the same time as figuring out, okay, we've done a lot of interesting experiments with some of our larger clients. How might we codify that into a program that we could roll out that is a little less bespoke, you know, doesn't rely on the knowledge in one or two people's heads. Yeah. That was the problem space that I was thinking about around this time last year. Um, quickly, uh, had the opportunity to, to start working with, um, our colleague, uh, Hamish Cook, Cookie, who was wrapping up his time with one of, uh, one such experiments, um, that was running with, with Allstate. Um, so we started, we spent a, a few months, him and I, uh, doing some light consulting and discovery work for a new client but mainly focused on taking the patterns of what he learned during his past six months combined with what I'd seen in a number of clients over the past few years and starting to shape a program that might support our commercial clients as they look at moving beyond labs and, and figuring out how to support a practice of their own. Mm-hmm. And in a similar time frame, um, is when I met Joey and when I started working again with Mick who I'd known for uh, about six years at that time frame and started thinking about how might we support um, the, the work that was going on with Accenture. And around the end of the year, uh, we, the four of us kind of merged those two ideas together and realized that the ways that we needed to support our partner ecosystem and the ways that we needed to support our clients was really the same thing. And that was by establishing um, what we now call practice leadership within each of those organizations and putting an emphasis on enabling those leaders, whether it's in any of our strategic clients or within the partners that we're working with, enable those leaders to be able to support the communities that they're building with the, the pivotal practices. Yeah. And the, team, the team's obviously grown since since January where we, where we really kind of established that thesis. Yeah. I remember talking to you about, um, when we, when we talked that first time, it was like around, uh, 
you know, how, how are we going to help our partnerships kind of grow and build this thing? And I hadn't really, you know, it wasn't even a conversation around the other part of that, which was like what Apple would become eventually. Um, and it's interesting. And I think that you were having lots of different conversations with different people. Um, and I remember in, in the new year when you kind of like, Hey, we're, we're rolling this all in together as one. I think in the beginning I was like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And then, um, as I, as I started like kind of unpacking a lot of this stuff, I realized, yes, we're doing, we're, we're, we're trying to achieve the same goals at our partners, uh, as we are at our clients and stuff. And I think, um, you know, we might go about achieving them in a different way, or we might apply some different methodologies and some of that stuff, but we're, we're reaching for that same thing. And it's kind of crazy. I, I don't know if, uh, I remember like this was before the new year and then after the new year, um, you came back and you were just like, uh, aha, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you just had some, some good, uh, you know, Christmas dinner or something or what have you. And, and it changed everything, but, uh, it was like, oh yeah, that, 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 that does make sense. And so it was cool. Yeah. And, I'm yeah. curious, Josh, uh, it's interesting to hear how sort of that idea of, uh, having practice leaders as like the role, um, that we enable and also the role that we essentially like that I'm in that Joey is that we recruit for, um, I guess from your perspective, like how has that role either changed or the way that, cause if I think about the way that you just described practice leadership or what a practice leader on our team does, you know, to work with, you know, a practice leader in our client to, scale those practices across an organization. But then if I think about my day to day today, did, did you imagine that we would be in a world where, Hey, actually the person that I'm pairing with isn't at all a practice leader. Uh, and not in that they're like not a, a leader in practice, but like based the role that I'm spend a lot more time enabling is actually more of like the director or an associate director. And my concerns are so much broader than what does it mean to have great design practices in your organization? Is that something that you thought would have, would, could have happened or curious to see how you've seen that evolve over time? Yeah. I think there's a few questions in there. One is, is, um, I, I guess I would paraphrase as, as did we think that we had it all figured out at the beginning? And, and, um, I think the answer was no, right. When, when we started the beginning of the year, we, we intentionally, um, constrained ourselves to working with three or four clients and keeping the team size, uh, to roughly 10 to 15 colleagues with the explicit um, mandate of using this first year of establishing the practice, the Apple practice, excuse me, as a a learning opportunity, right? So let's not try and scale this thing too big when we're, when we're really still trying to, to learn and establish what it is we're trying to do. We picked uh, our first three clients as three very, um, different opportunities that were in very different parts of their life cycle and are trying to accomplish different things intentionally, uh, so that we would learn new and interesting things from that with, um, the understanding that we could take those learnings and start to scale them out more broadly next calendar year. So I think to answer the first part of your question, um, and, 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 you know, maybe this wasn't as explicit as, as people started to join the team, but 
I think we knew that we would be, you know, learning a ton this first year. I think it's our um, duty as, as early people on this team to really grow and shape the practice, you know, week over week and start to codify those patterns and, and get them ready to scale up for whatever the, the future direction of, of what we're doing takes next year. I think that's just as important for us to focus on as supporting the clients that we're working with, right. Is, is, is defining the, the Apple practice as a whole. The second part is um, something that Joey and I've talked a lot about is what the hell do we mean by practice? Can I say hell? Is this a, is this a PG? Uh, We've PG? definitely sworn a lot. Yeah, we are yeah. explicit. We are a lot un- more un- than hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wait till we get Nick yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> Ooh. We're gonna need to put up PG eleven hundred on that rating. Is that a thing? Yeah. It's a new thing now. Um, so the origin of the word practice is probably different from what you think, and it is stems from. Um, trying to find a word that meant lab, but wasn't lab, right? We, we worked with a number of clients and some experiments over the past few years who we were trying to help support them in creating a, a labs like organization, but they were very hesitant at using the word lab because to them lab meant, uh, experimental. A, yeah. An area of experimental thoughts, Right, whereas they were um, a business unit who was looking to um, drive change in a large financial institution, and they were very clear with us to say, "We're not a lab. Stop mm-hmm. calling mm-hmm. a lab." Right, we're you know a a business that's coming together and and building. Also, just a l l e is extremely difficult to say. We would have to start calling ourselves ale. Agile lab leadership enablement. That would be terrible. Allie. Hello, I'm from the Alley team, the Ale team. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was, a, it was a recognition that, that this particular client that we were working with had a very adverse um, reaction to any time we would use lab. So we tried to just remove that from our vocabulary and, and all of our decks and we settled on practice as the word that could indicate the, you know, physical or virtual manifestation of these teams coming together to build a community around labs like practices. I think there's, oh, sorry, go for it. I'd like to talk a lot, Jackie. I, I, we all like, this is hard because we all like to talk. This is, the, our team is a full of people that are not going to be able to shut up on this podcast. That's all we all are. We're just people that are like, well, listen, let me talk to you for a minute. I think we realized quickly on that, that the, the, the challenge with that word is that it, it is overloaded and it does overlap with um, what we might call craft or discipline. Um, and that's something Joe and I have spent a lot of time talking about is, is what is the fallout from using that word. And, and when I think yeah. about practice leaders, I think about leading the organizational practice, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as, as opposed to leading the community of practice, right. Or, or the design practice, as you say. Yeah. I think there's definitely like something interesting in that word, even within pivotal, right. Like I meet people as I'm, as we work with a wider spread of, you know, directors and what have you, even within pivotal, 
we're hearing more and more like, oh, you're doing that? Like, is that okay? Cool. Like there's this, they're realizing that what we do on our team is so much broader than like perhaps the like exact way that I introduce myself implies. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. With, with, uh, you know, trying to be cognizant of someone else's use of the word lab, we introduced another word that is just creating our own confusion, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those, like, as long as we as a practice understand what we mean by that, uh, it's going to be helpful to be able to explain it to people. Uh, and we have that opportunity to be like, Oh, this is what you might've thought it meant, but it actually means this and it encompasses all these things. And as Josh has said, like we have, uh, we've started some stuff that hopefully I can present tonight today for us in our, um, team meeting. Um, but there's this of, of kind of how we might see, um, the evolution of our role and, and the organization as we keep growing something that we talked about in episode one, Jackie, which was, um, the excitement around, uh, we're growing a new business unit. Not only are we, you know, supporting new clients and, and or supporting clients in like interesting, fun ways that we haven't done before. Um, but we're also doing something brand new inside of Pivotal, which is really exciting. And it also means that we get to grow it and learn from it. And we're doing such things. Which is very yeah, fun. it's, it's it, even just this week, like I really realized that, that people are now realized, like people within Pivotal are also realizing like, holy shit, the Apple team is doing something super new, like too pivotal and also just like in the industry in general like they someone used the word like cutting edge Ooh. or like tip of the spear yeah, of course <laughs> we're tip of the spear cutting edge that's when i <laughs> look at myself in the mirror i think both of those <laughs> um yeah super Jackie, we're at uh we're at that, that we're at time yeah i know i feel like there's i have so many more questions for josh but i mean repeat guest you know like repeat yeah guest. i do yeah. Not only will Josh be the first guest, but he'll be the first repeat guest. Let's think about it. <laughs> I'll get a better um, mic and uh, shove myself in a closet with pillows. <laughs> as, uh, yeah, Josh is, no one can see, but Josh is using AirPods. We <laughs> um, so. told him and we sent our publicists out there. You know, with all this fame, Jackie, that we've experienced inside of um, this podcast, you'd think that we would have been afforded some niceties like being able yeah. to give Josh a headset. But we know, need to we need to get a hold of our team. Yeah, we well, need to uh, do a better job communicating. <laughs> Um, anyways, cool. So we love to always end our podcast with a travel tip and, uh, we want to have our guests also give travel tips. Yes. Especially since for you, you travel perhaps the most of any of us. (laughs) What, what is, what is the Josh Knowles travel tip? Yes. Oh man. So many. Um, We'll tell you if we've said them already. <laughs> oh, listen to all the episodes, obviously. Oh, okay, okay, all right. So you know what we said, okay. okay. <laughs> Extensive I notes. Forgotten. I may have forgotten. It's early in the morning. Uh, the, the travel hack that I'm using this week is um, using the fact that I'm traveling two weeks in a row to visit family uh, in a different location for the weekend as opposed to returning home. Um, so I I'm, I'm, uh, was up in Seattle uh, working with a client this past week, I need to go back there, um, on Monday, but my family lives in Spokane, which is on the other side of Washington state. So was able to pop over, um, last night and work from my parents' house today, spend some time with friends and family. And then, uh, we'll be back before anyone misses me Monday morning. That's my, uh, travel tip. Of that's the a weekend. great, that's a good travel tip. Yeah. yeah. 
Joey, have you taken advantage of that at all yet? No, the the best people at that are Cookie, and I think Josh does that. I think and Bill does that pretty well. But Cookie does that the best. Like he utilizes that more than anyone. I haven't um I haven't done that yet. No. Yeah, me neither. I just have too much going on in New York that I like haven't been able to do that. But I've been meaning to yeah. go home at some point. Yeah, yeah. travel travel hacks. I love that's it. A, that's, that's a good, good travel hack. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, we only do one, Josh. Like, listen, this is not a. Trying to run our podcast. I get it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Only one travel. T- we're gonna run out of tips if we do multiple, three every week. Yeah. Jack and I only have so many. <laughs> I actually don't have any more. So. <laughs> so good. Awesome. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Right. It's been a blast. Bye, y'all. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.